So welcome to Soulful 7 Conversations. Thank you, Farrell. You're Ann Alexander Stoffer, and I, um, I want to count you as a friend, but more than anything, I want to say that you are a living angel on this planet. And um, for those that do not know you, but I think so many people in Nashville know exactly who you are, you are an ordained minister. You have been counseling for 40 years. Yes. And I have said this before, but I think that you have a halo over your head that no, no one sees it. I say that because you come to the rescue of people that are going through difficult times in their lives, which we all go through difficult times in our lives, these seasons that challenge us in mind, body, and spirit. And you are not afraid to hold our hand through this. And I speak from personal experience that um, you showed up for me at a time that I was going through something difficult and you were an angel. So I, um, I hope every single person hears this today and reaches out to you, reads your book, The Way to Stillness, follows you. You do all of your counseling in this sacred spot called the Cottage in the Woods. That's right. And it is such a special, quiet, sacred place. It actually, uh, it mirrors your spirit. You, um, you walk this planet with a calm, gentle spirit. I think that's why so many people are drawn to you. And, um, and so to visit Cottage in the Woods is a gift. So for everyone listening, it is something that you should make possible in your life at some point, um, especially when you're going through a difficult season. So I'm thrilled that you're here. We're starting off this new year. Um, we're still looking at what um, living soulfully in the skin looks like. And I think that you will impart today um, some real nuggets of wisdom and um, will help us as we step into this new year um, more grounded spiritually and um, filled with hope. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Farrah, for yes. having me. So let's start with your, um, the way you define God in your life. Like, who is God to you? Farrell, hmm. I would say that I have come to think of God as my every breath. Okay. God in my every breath. And gratitude in my every breath. Um, you know, I've gotten so far away from the God of my little growing up Baptist Sunday school days and mm -hmm. what I often will recognize as the God uh, of many people's um, imagination, which is kind of that sky God that we right. call him with a white mm -hmm. beard or the God that's up there, the God that they'll meet in heaven one day or the God outside ourselves. But I think in spending time with um, praying the Holy Spirit come, particularly early in the mornings, and the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit continuing to take root inside me and within me, and particularly reading uh, what Richard Rohr, W-O-H-R, uh, for, for we both our, love. our listeners, yes. and who we both love so, so <laughs> Traveling much. in March to see him, yes, yes. love so him. going a, a trip, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't make this one with you, maybe next time, but just thinking about the... The, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, those three existing in time before anything else, which is kind of a new idea for, for many of us, but those three being in us and with us in a divine dance. Oh, that's beautiful. He does. He talks about the divine dance. I just read um, in the New Zealand Book of Common Prayer, um, the way that they, um, they address God is the earth maker the pain bearer, and the life giver. That's beautiful. And if that's all happening for you, I mean, that's pretty incredible, mm. right? This, mm. this sense of, um, as you say, the spirit or something that's lar a larger consciousness, a healing, loving, redemptive consciousness that's working within you, but also all around us. Yes, and, and I think that in Richard Rohr's um, um, books and also sometimes in his um um, Center for Action and Contemplation is a great newsletter that our mm -hmm. listeners may want to know about too. He has often said that the word Yahweh, the original mm -hmm. Hebrew for God, 
those two syllables mimic the human breath. The first mm-hmm. breath that we bring with us into the world, Yahweh, the newborn baby, mm-hmm. and the last breath we take out of this world, Yahweh. So I've come mm-hmm. to think of God as the breath in our being, too. Well, and I have that prayer um, that I love so much that I give to people um, because it was given to me in a tight, in a tight place. Um, the idea that God is as close as your breath and as near as your heartbeat. So like right up against you, right there with you, which I love. One thing I'm interested in you speaking to, and we've talked about this before, but this, um, that we're identified as a soul. And our soul is forever connected to the soul, which is with the divine. And um, what that means to you. That's actually one of my favorite subjects. Okay, good. Talk to us about the soul. Well, it, it really is, and I, I've researched it a lot. I, I gave a retreat on that uh, last year, uh, talking about how we tend our souls, how we mm-hmm. take care of our souls. But our soul is actually our mind and our will, that part of us that makes our decisions and controls things from within, and our emotions. And it's really hard to separate that from the rest of us, <laughs> but it's that part of us that sort of stands apart and is us, but is also combined with the Holy Spirit. And it's important to keep that part of us The divine clean, in us. The divine in us. Mm-hmm. To keep that part of us clean, like a stream, <laughs> running clear, free of resentment, not congested, not clogged. I often, I know that, that you walk and run a lot at Radnor <laughs> and Lake, and I do too. There's a pond there that if you watch it through the seasons, sometimes it runs so clear and so pristine and so beautiful. And at other times of the year, it will be so green and congested and full of algae. And I often think of that as a metaphor for the soul, that we want to be sure that we keep our souls very clean and very pristine, and often at the end of the day, kind of give ourselves a check, you know, mm-hmm. what is it that's disturbed within us, what, what's in turmoil, what's kind of clogging me up. And so it's very important that we be good caretakers of ourselves. Which is the human part of us. You know, it's the, the, the worries, it is the resentments in relationships, it's the like existential fears about where is this life going and does it have meaning and what happens to us after death. It is just the constant, you know, revved up busyness that we have or, or is expected of us that um, it makes it more difficult to allow what I would say is the truest part of me. It's the divine in me. It is the good in me. It's the best in me is the soul of Pharaoh. Oh, yes. Right? That's like, that's when you get the soul of Pharaoh, then, I mean, that's as good as it gets. Yes. And the problem is (laughs) sometimes you get the frazzled, the worried, um, the broken, you know, or just the struggles of Pharaoh. And, um, I kind of forget that part of me. And, and for me as well, and, and when I, I do, and as you do, minister during the day, or we have one counselee or client after another, I have to practice intense soul care. Right. Or, what does that look like for you? If you wanted to take care of your soul, like what are your go-to, if you opened up the cabinet and you're like, okay, so this, I'm going to take this out and this, and tend to my little soul. What does that look like? Most days it has to look very consistent. Okay, consistency. Consistent. I have to get up at least by six in the morning and I go outside and people say, well, when it's really cold, you don't do that. Yes, I do. I mean, I've, I've got warm things by the bed. I make my coffee. I go outside and we've got, my husband, Roy, is, is so wonderful. He's built a waterfall outside. So unless it's just really 17 or 18 degrees, it's pretty much flowing. So I can hear the, I can hear the music of the water and I have a bench right there. And so I can meditate right there. And also 
he's built a greenhouse is our is our newest addition. Oh, I've so, seen the greenhouse. Yes, okay. you'll have to come over to the greenhouse. So those are two things that just really make me excited about watching the sun come. So that so like point refreshes you. Right, exactly. So I'll do one series of meditations by the waterfall. And, Can um, you share a little bit about what the meditation looks like for you? Sure, I'll be glad to. You know, over the years, and I've done this for quite some time, they look sort of different. Okay. But I'll just find that if I can point myself toward the east, mm -hmm. and, you know, it doesn't have to be at exactly that time. I mean, this can be vespers, can be in the evening, can be at any time during the day, because mm -hmm. things happen. Right. Things happen. So that's the good news about this. Always we can begin again. Begin again. Begin again. Yes. It doesn't mean that your day is shot, mm -hmm. but I always do find that if I can posture myself and get myself in just sort of a relaxed position, nothing folded, arms uncrossed, feet on the ground, and just try to let those hurried, frazzled thoughts go. Mm -hmm. And if they come back, it's just one more opportunity to begin again. Begin you know, again. at first, the beginning meditator, if you can get 30 seconds, right. <laughs> you are doing absolutely great because this is a lifestyle that you are beginning. And there's wonderful books. There's great websites now to begin to start you out on to begin to do this. But I find that if you have a mantra or you have a focal point, mm -hmm. and about 25 years ago I had a great instructor that uh, told me a story about a very famous archbishop that he had gone to see at a cathedral and he just expected it to be just this fabulous oration on meditation. And he took his little notebook and he was prepared to just hear all of this wisdom. And of course, everybody in this lecture that I'm in is, is just spellbound. And he talked about the fact that the silence is everybody's pins were poised, was just so rich in this hush. They wondered if the archbishop had forgotten what he was, <laughs> was going to say. say. I was kind of embarrassed for him. And then what he said was, come, Lord Jesus, more silence. And then a second, come, Lord Jesus, more silence. Come, Lord Jesus, more silence. And there was this just incredible, profound hush all the way through this cathedral in Rome. And people heard silence and felt beautiful silence, the presence of God that they mm -hmm. never felt before. I know, but I think yeah. it's hard in our, in our culture because actually silence, I mean, you, it's, it's not even respected. You're, you're supposed to be busy. You're supposed to be going, 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 going. And so, um, I mean, I know myself, I'm guilty of silence and stillness being the last box I check off. And that will kill us. And it will kill us. And that, and does. And that will kill us. And it should be the first box that I, but I also um, would say that I think the contemplative life is so important. It truly, truly it is, is because what we realize is all that we really have is our soul in God. It really and so is. I don't know if it's that you've lost someone or your body is failing you mm. or you are very close to leaving this world. You realize that everything else just kind of falls away and you're left standing there by yourself, just you and God. And for some reason, I think we're so afraid to have that experience just in our day-to-day -day lives, to just stop and say, be still and know that I'm God from the Psalms. Just be still and know that I'm God. Why don't you just sit with, sit with me in the time or the breath? Um, I don't do that. I don't do it nearly enough. It actually, I have to be brought all the way up to the edge of, you know, tired, weary, frustrated for me to say, okay, 
I need to get out of nature, or I need to have a moment of quiet or stillness. Um, and actually my engine would rev so much better if I did that like you do first thing in the morning. You know, Farrell, mine did not come purely by my saying, I'm gonna set my alarm clock and start this. Mm -hmm. Pain has been my greatest teacher. Right. And so mine had to come because I had no other options left and mm -hmm. I had to begin this way of life. Because we oftentimes believe ourselves to be superheroes until we're not. <laughs> that is absolutely right? right. And so it's usually in the place of vulnerability where all of a sudden your path is uncertain, um, where you feel the limitations of your humanity, whether it's in your body or it's in the relationships in your life or it is in your brain, your spirit. And then you're like, okay, so actually I need divine reinforcement. Yes. I need to know that I'm not alone yes. and that I do not have to carry this all by myself and I have God with me. Um, I know, but I'm, I'm stubborn. So I know Jesus says to go into your room and shut the door and then bolt it. <laughs> and that is a discipline, right? Yes. <clears throat> Yes, it definitely is. It definitely is. I had to be presented with clear, very clear alternatives and to realize that I could not do that, continue in my own strength, that that would have been impossible. Right. But that God can and He will if I will let Him. So I think most people have to be brought to a place of complete powerlessness mm -hmm. and unmanageability, if I could quote the 12 steps here, right? which I, I really... Or what about curiosity? Because I feel like, too, that um, like spiritual curiosity, where, where maybe you're in your midlife, or um, like me, or where you're, where you're kind of like, I kind of would love to experience something more. Like, oh. what if, what if there is a divine reality? I'd kind of like... A little bit of that like can I have a peek like I'd love Always. to know a little of that before I have to go through the gates and, and enter heaven eternally and I think that that is <clears throat> the whole thing right there is mm -hmm. when we are so spiritually hungry and mm -hmm. know that this is an adventure when we finally begin to see that this is all about the kingdom of God within Mm -hmm. right now can you experience here. it right absolutely and that if we don't do these things we are really missing out I think yeah. prayer and con contemplation and especially the buzzword of meditation feels intimidating you know especially if you're not in a nunnery or in a monastic situation where that is how your day is guided by the hours um, that it, it just feels a little bit like a rub in the commercial material world that we live in. You know, a little kind of, oh, you meditate? And I hate that because I wish that, um, you know, we realize that it's, it's actually very, it, it is our first language. Like God wants us to have this conversation and to have an experience of that which is larger than ourselves. And it doesn't have to be so difficult. It can be as simple as just, you know, I'm here. You know, I'm going to be still. I'm just going to tell you about my life and thoughts. And that could be the prayer. Absolutely. And I, and I think you're absolutely right because I think that we are attached to images and storylines that are made up of the extremes. Extremes. Like a monk right. or a nun. Mm -hmm. When in fact, if you think about the Psalms, if you think about King David, he would be on the battleground, you know, just mm -hmm. charging away or in a cave somewhere. And a simple psalm, a one line. Right. Yeah, I know, I'm telling you, that's that's a, the, the be with itself. me, God. Just be with <laughs> me now, that's right. Just be with me. Um, yes. And, and I say a lot too for, you know, cause you know, you write prayers and I write prayers, um, for more of a, a, a group of people. 
But my personal prayers, when it is just me, soul to the soul, is it's really simple. It's like becoming a child again. Exactly. Right? It's it's just, you know, it's like a it's like an ongoing conversation. Yes. And a lot of times I confess, I have to say, okay, I haven't been I haven't come. I haven't shown up. I have not walked through the doors. It has been a while since you've seen me, God. And the beautiful thing is, is all you have to do is show up again. That's right. right. I mean, there's nobody slapping your wrist. He's not. He's right there, you know, going tardy. It's like, it's a good thing. And so if you're not signing up for the good thing, it's your loss. Right. Because God's like, oh, I'm always here. (laughs) Start the conversation. I'm always here. And, and I'm not looking for some erudite, you know, extravagant prose. I'm, I'm just, just speak your heart. Yes, and I think we're going to find, too, and, and probably on this earth a lot of people already have, that, you know, it, so much of this is not word-based. It's not form-based. It's so right. much the language of the heart. It is the language of the heart. And, it, and um, the other thing, and I think a lot of people that... Um, follow my blog and are listening today yes. are not necessarily in a denomination yes. or, um, and so they are just really trying to figure this all out. Like, Absolutely. What does it look like to maybe believe that there is something bigger than me and, and is actually kind of woven into my life and my decisions. And, you know, I, um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, is change you know, change is the one certainty. There is so much uncertainty in our human spiritual lives, but change is a certainty. We are always going to have to hit change. That's right. And I am not good at change. I am one of those people that I will wrestle up to any kind of change all the way up to the edge. And and, and if I finally go over, I'm all right. Because it's like, okay, I'll do this. All right, fine. We're doing this change. But I, I do struggle, and I don't think I'm alone. Most um, people are not with good change. change. Right, change, even little changes. I mean, there's some big life changes where people have lost their spouse or their children leave to go to college and they're empty nesters. Um, and then they're just little changes. How can you help us? handle change more gracefully? That's a great question. A lot of what I do is to help people get comfortable with their own personality type through a variety of lenses. And 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 one of the things that's really helpful is that there's so many resources that can say, if you're this type or you're this profile. Kind of like the Enneagram? Uh, Enneagram is a great resource. Mm-hmm. I do something called the, um, the the Arno Profile System, which basically looks at what your temperament is, you know, how God created you coming into this world, how you can best respond to change. Mm-hmm. The Myers-Briggs Type Indicator is another, is another really good one. And so each of those, each of those um, descriptions will have a way that you can best work with the person on how to respond to change. Maybe you could because help me with putting that so, for the different so temperaments. What I'm saying, you know, those are real, because one person will respond totally differently mm-hmm. to change than, than another. So that's just one thought. But, but I think, too, if we are on the spiritual journey, right. that one thing that we can remember too and and i do a lot of work with celtic christianity because i'm, a, I'm a celt in the thin I places love the thin, oh, the thin places I my know. ancestors were from the northern hebrides islands off of scotland and uh, and so that's kind of where where it all originated from saint patrick but they um they often talked about a um a traveler called a pellegrinaccio which was a pilgrim a traveling mm-hmm. pilgrim always passing through, passing through. And they like to say in the early days of Christianity, we are just but pilgrims. We're, we're traveling through. Let's not get permanently rooted to this spot in any way. Although we live here, we have mm-hmm. our home here, we raise our families here, we grow our food here. There's the larger life. We are always moving through 
mm -hmm. headed toward the eternal. And that's the headed way. towards the eternal. Always headed so toward see that, that the is, eternal. That is something that I need to have to seek into me. Um, and, and I think we all do because we do get caught up in, in the moment. And I have to check myself and realize that, you know, I mean, come on. God is so infinitely genius, creative. Um, and there is this larger plan that I'm so blessed to participate in God's plan. But there is a plan out there, and I need to be open to it. And it's so hard because but I love moving human. to the eternal. Well, moving to the eternal, we catch, we, we lose sight of that with our limited consciousness, mm -hmm. you know. But if we can think about, I am a pilgrim, I am a peregrinatio, I, I need to all of a sudden kind of snap into my super consciousness, you know, and realize that we may have, as the scriptures say, I have prepared many mansions for you, I have prepared places for you. Mm -hmm. We may on our journey have many places. That right. we many experiences inhabit. too. Many experiences, and right. so, which some of them yeah. are really difficult. It, it, we want to cling as humans, mm -hmm. and I think the Buddhists do such a fabulous job on giving us tools on teaching us mm -hmm. how not to cling, how how teaching us more to let go, perhaps right. than, than hands open. Hands you have your open. hands open. Your hands, your hands are open. open. Okay, God, and I'm. I'm, well, and I'm, you know, it's the idea of, of thy will be done. Mm -hmm. So God, okay, I'm going to let you do this. <laughs> you run the show because you can do it so much better than I can run the show. And I just need to sign up and, and follow your lead. Um, I think we both, we've talked about um, that God is always leaving us signs, yes. right? So the pilgrim is not left alone never to find their way oh never. we are not left alone and so god gives us these signs and we have to you know as the buddhists say be awake, be awake. and jesus says be awake. be awake because you know i'm i'm trying to help you find your way just what like god the is hebrews saying. is they move through <clears throat> remember the light that would move the through light. and follow Mm -hmm. God always will. He will never leave us and never forsake us. And he mm -hmm. knows that our comforts, our sense of home, mm -hmm. our sense of security, and he knows. I know, but we, don't we as human beings, we just, and I, I think it's because we don't know, you know, that, that so much of life is, is an unknown. And so we just hold tightly to what we do know. And sometimes what we do know is not good for us. Right? We hold on to it anyway. We can outgrow those things and not even realize it. Mm -hmm. And it can keep us from the larger life and the wonderment that God has ahead for us. And I think that's good as we're speaking about go coming into this new year of realizing what are the things that you could actually let go of in your life. Like you're on the journey. What can you let go of? Um, I did a sermon several years ago and I talked about, um, you know, I call him like a superhero, but he is a ranger out in Wyoming and his job is to rescue people that get hurt on the mountain. And um, to climb the Tetons in Wyoming is, is a feat. I have never done it. Mm. Um, but he can run it in three, mile, in three hours, which is unknown. And I asked him one time, I said, Scott, how is it that you can get up that mountain in three hours. And he said, because I travel with a light pack. <laughs> and that's what we need to hear. I know I need to hear that. Hey, lighten the load, Farrell, so that you can get up that mountain, <laughs> right? What can we let go of so that we can continue to experience whatever this project is that God has us um, on or journey? There's a lot to be said for traveling light. Traveling And keeping light. short accounts. Right. Keeping that clean soul. Note to self, yes. Um, well, if we go back to the idea of um, you know, who we are truly as our soul, and the soul wants to be connected to God and the soul. I mean, we, you know, um, you know, I've heard it described as a big black hole, 
and we're just gonna keep trying to fill it with things because it is this longing on the inside that we do. We wanna feel connected to that which is um, eternal and absolute and love incarnate. And, but, and for some of us, it takes our entire lives. For others of us, we hit, a, we hit the steel, we hit the steel pole or the, or the wall and, and we wake up to it. Um, we have to, I don't know, uh, determine for ourselves um, or take away from ourselves all these things that we think make our lives important. And we think that fill that hole, whether it's emotional drama or material things or ambition, um, when actually really all our, all our soul really wants is to feel connected to something good, right? And eternal and hopeful and um, certain, yes. absolute. Yes. That's where the balance happens. Boy, are we stubborn, right? Yes, we are. Yes, <laughs> we, we are, are. stubborn. Yes. Um, could you speak to disciplines, maybe spiritual disciplines or ways that we can help ourselves have more of that balance, that spiritual equilibrium? Yes, and, and it is just so difficult. I mean, I am so stubborn. Two. I mean, I feel. <laughs> I don't believe it, Anne. I am. <laughs> I, don't. I am the absolute worst. I mean, my mother will tell a story at, at two and three before this became a popular saying. Because this was like sixty years ago. You know, I would stamp my foot and go, "You are not the boss of me." <laughs> and, you know, it was. Isn't just, that what I'm we say to God, though? That, no, know? we say, and "You I'm, are not the boss of me." I am actually gonna will this for myself. And I'm still saying that back to my own soul. Right. You are not the boss of me on these these disciplines. I Absolutely. Don't wanna, I don't want to. I don't want to. When that resistance comes, and sometimes that resistance comes. And we just can't do anything about it. And we just have to wait for that feeling to pass. Okay. And pray for the willingness to be willing. Okay. <laughs> God, give me the willingness to be willing to start this practice, to do this practice. I can't do, give it 20 minutes, but let me give it five. Mm -hmm. Let me do just a little bit. And this, again, is us just being still just right just carving out this little space where we are still and quiet and it doesn't have to be profound no and do not look for the profound do not look for an experience the more ordinary and the more humble and the more mm -hmm. simple the better the better. The better. Okay. I, I think that that is, 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 is really a, a great misunderstanding mm -hmm. that what I do has to be some sort of a dramatic spiritual experience that something has to happen, mm -hmm. that I must will something into place here. Well, wouldn't we like an angel visitation? Oh, we would all. <laughs> or a burning bush. Absolutely love it. And we feel like that we're failing, mm -hmm. that we're doing something wrong. And, you know, we'd be amazed at the number of people, I'll suggest, doing some sort of a practice, a quiet practice. And, you know, most people will come in and go, well, you know, no nothing happened this week. Or, you know, well, you're going to give me an F. Or, you know, and it's right. a total wrong mindset. They're so relieved when I say, well, if you told me that something big happened, I'd say, well, you're probably not doing it right. You just need to kind of <laughs> <laughs> don't make anything happen. Just <clears throat> here's all you need to do is just go and sit. Mm -hmm. with yourself. Well, and I think, too, I, um, especially if I feel that anxiousness, I um, note, I read, yes, I note the feeling, but I, um, I always go to Psalm 139. Yes. And you know what? Just by reading it mm -hmm. gets me mm -hmm. at least away from that place. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not having some profound revelations, um, you know, I'm, but it does, 
I don't know, it just gives me a softer landing. And I can, okay, I can do this. Absolutely. Right? It's a grounding. It so, is a grounding. You know, often to start with Psalms, one Psalm, mm -hmm. or Proverbs, or uh, two or three favorite verses, and just pay attention to one's breath. It's coming, it's going. Here I am sitting. Focus on nature around you. Before you know it, two, three, four, five minutes have gone by. And you'll find that you really haven't worried about whatever you came out there with. Right. Right. I know, and I usually do do that in nature because mm -hmm. I have to kind of step away. I It isn't going to happen. It's just I joked the other day that I, you know, I... Like even my prayer life doesn't happen right before I go to bed because by the time I've gotten into bed, I am exhausted and have fallen asleep, sure. right? Yes. So I, <clears throat> it is not formal for me. And maybe when I don't have so many kids around and I have a little more time, I can make it more of a discipline, but I find that I just have to kind of step outside of my day-to-day -day life and that usually happens in nature and it isn't something grand but it is just a moment of, I mean, there are times where I have nothing to say or I have no words. And so I just, I just kind of hang out. <laughs> How great is that? I mean, that's it. How great is that? Right. Spontaneous. And, um, you know, sometimes the prayer is just, I'm sorry. I'm, there's distance and I haven't been relying on you. I've been relying on myself and I've let myself down and I'm sure I've let you down, but I'm here to say I'm sorry and let's try again. But don't you think sometimes that just our showing up and doing just what needs to be done and is maybe the prayer in itself, right? I know. Um, are there any absolute truths that you would stake your life upon? You know, we, so I feel like in the world we live in, and I'm sure this has been like from the beginning of time, that it just doesn't seem like there's any absolutes. And yet, are there some absolutes? That just, you know, it's like that it's the grounding of your being, Anne. So it doesn't sway you. Like if, you know, you could just be hit by the mat truck of bad news or a disappointment, mm -hmm. but that doesn't change. Steel rod doesn't change. What would those be for you? I, I have been hit with my share of, of bad news in life, and there are some things that I go to, have gone to. Okay. And I will have to say that that it's sort of like putting my roots down like, a, like an oak tree, you know, mm -hmm. where those roots are just so deep. Okay. Uh, and here's a few. Yeah, just tell me, what are your up. roots? Uh, <laughs> One is delay is not denial. Okay, what does that mean? And to me, that means that when something's not happening, okay, okay, or when the thing that I, I, I most want mm -hmm. has been shunted aside, you know, or is not happening, like um, a healing or... Uh, An answer prayer. Answer prayer, whatever. Okay. God's time is simply not my time. It's simply not our time. That is one of the things I'm going to talk to God about <laughs> when I get to heaven. This whole time thing. Yeah. Because you're right. It, it is just not. It's, it is. This is not happening on my time. I mean, whenever period. I start thinking that, you know, just because I think God's late, what am I really in control of? Right. But when I look back, and then I see however something happened, whenever something happened, it was always just right. Just right. And usually I needed to thank God for the thrill of his protection. Oh, that's beautiful. So protection I, in the waiting. Protection in the waiting. Oh, that's beautiful, Ian. So I cannot say that I have responded that way, you know, <laughs> since then. But there have been a few times that when I've been disappointed, I can say that I have started to say, God, may I thank you for the thrill of your protection. Okay. 
That's putting on your big girl pants. Let me be a big girl. Yes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let I mean, you I'm, unfold this I'm like, for me. I'm like on one hand, I'm really pissed about this. Yeah. However, what have I learned? Okay. Delay is not denial. Okay. And that is so it. God will answer the prayer. God tells Period. us. Period. God will answer the prayer. And he hears our prayers. Right. So just I need to sit back and be patient. And you're saying be thankful for God being protecting you while you're it has waiting. Served me very well as okay. an absolute. That's a nugget of and wisdom. I, and it man. takes so much pressure off. Yeah. This is not my problem that I have to try to make something happen. This was never in my it's control. Such anyway. the, oh, it's just such the the grind on the inside though. Mm -hmm. Because I, I live in a culture that tells us that actually if you click it. You can have it even today. Be in the world, but oh, not of it. Be we in the world, but not of it. never buy into that thinking. It's the one-click theology. You can have it like this. And that is not true. And it is, it is an the illusion. ultimate disappointment, right? Because every time only that I have... Only if I let it be it. Only if I let it. Only if we let it be it. I know. And I, I guess, um, and I, I assume I'm not alone in saying this, that it is this dance between me holding the reins and me saying, no, you, God, you can hold the reins. When we know God was holding the reins the whole time anyway, but I, I feel this. I think what it is, Anne, is that we are so out of control. We really don't have any control, and so anything that we can do. I remember with Charlie's cancer, you know, everything was out of control. And so the controlling things that I could do um, were germs, like absolutely, you know, like we're all gonna wash our hands like crazy, we and we're gonna take our shoes off before we come in. Impulsive on everything yes, that we to could control. control. And guess course, what that does? It makes you measurable. Yes, it does. And so it is this beautiful spiritual practice of surrendering. Still, I'm gonna talk to God about timing, though, <laughs> even though I know it's it's all in perfect timing. It's okay the to ultimate. tell him here that he is super delinquent. <laughs> and, and the other thing is... And that's probably good because you know what? It serves me right because you ask any of my friends or my boss at work, anyone, and they will tell you that I'm never on time. So it just serves me right that maybe things don't happen for me when <laughs> I want them to happen for me. Are there any other absolutes? Um, yeah, there's one more I wanted to mention is that God never wastes anything in God's economy. He doesn't waste anything. So beautiful. Right. Because I think so often that we feel mm -hmm. like, oh, just all oh, just sheer waste. This is going to nothing. Mm -hmm. And why did this happen? And we lament. Because it, it certainly looks like it. Well, and I just had lunch with a friend who has been married for 16 years, and it was a very difficult marriage, 16 years of a lot of disappointment and a lot of, not a lot of joy. And um, so we were having lunch, and, and you know, she's stepped across that threshold and, and is um, free at last, and she doesn't have any resentment. She said, you know what? Every single year of the 16 years, God was imparting to me and inserting into me all of these wonderful things to where I can stand today and tell you, I mean, I am like, this is, I'm becoming. Yeah. And so it's to that point of that, that God doesn't waste anything. Um, now, would I ever have wanted, you know, my child to have cancer or one of my friends to lose their husband. Never, 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 never. But to your point, God says, just hold on. And I promise you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this. Yes. I'm going to use this for love and redemption and um, for good for you. Yes. Um, on the subject, though, of the struggle and the heartbreak that we all endure here, and the reason that you have a halo is because you have earned it. You have been through so much in your life personally, and you have struggles now. 
but you use that, you know, um, who was it that said the wounded healer? Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen. Um, and that's why you are allowed to go into these vulnerable places and help all of us find our way. But I do want to ask you, how do we make sense of and make our way through gracefully the struggles of life? Like if you, if someone's listening today and they are in a place of what I call the pinch, you know, yes. where you are just feeling the pinch. Yes. Um, what would you tell them? Farrell, I truly uh, have found that it is in community with others. Mm -hmm. Not that we don't need our alone times and respect those alone times when we can't be with others, because there is that. But I think if we can find at least one who can just sit with us and be with our pain. For us to speak it. And speak right? it and not judge it and hold it. Mm -hmm. That's a hard thing to do. I have to say, I think it takes a lot of courage to share um, when you are going through something difficult, to let someone into that space. And to know, and, and often if it is something that is an issue that you can find a group, mm -hmm. you know, like a divorce or addiction or uh, suicide, something like that mm -hmm. where it is a particular specialty right where others it's like-minded people through it right far there's just simply no substitute for the healing of that group and support i've seen so many lives completely transformed by others walking that path with them mm -hmm. uh we are called to bear each other's burdens right yeah what i say is um the hope is in us. It's in our DNA. It is, it is who we are. God gave it to us so that we would not break. Ultimately, we would not break. Right. And so that is who we are. But why we are here is to give hope to one another. Call it God with skin on. God with skin on. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that um, it's inevitable. So if you have not endured some sort of suffering, I'm sad to say it will happen in some form, some place, some contour in your life. You are going to suffer a, a disappointment or a real heartbreak and reach out, right? I mean, God gave us one another. We have to reach out. Those that have suffered before are just waiting to be used. It makes Very sense true. of their suffering. Right. Because ultimately we are wounded healers, all of us. Absolutely. Right? We are all. Okay, so <clears throat> you know I'm doing this year of living soulfully. Yes. And what that means is I'm trying, to, it's kind of one of those, it's a definition in the making, right? So I personally am looking for um, a deeper, more sacred and more joyful experience in my own life. Yes. And so I'm kind of putting it out there, um, thinking that maybe other people would like a little of that in their lives. What does it mean to you to live a soulful life? Like in praxis, like day to day, what does it look like to live soulfully? And that's like, you know, not theology and, and not religion and any of those things. This is just like, what does it look like for Anne to live soulfully? Yeah, I think self-care, okay, soul care and self-care sometimes are inseparable. Okay, self -care. and that includes awareness, mindfulness, mm -hmm. and awareness. That's um, eating really good natural food, <laughs> smell, bright colors, fresh. Air, mm -hmm. um, relationships, really relation, healthy people that nurture you. And in, in the military, 
um, with the Navy SEALs. You know, they have their group and um, when they're in training, they um, have to carry this raft around. And there's seven people on the raft and they're having to, they make them carry it out to the ocean. They make them carry it to their beds. They make them carry it to the lunchroom. You can't drop the raft. And so it's so important who the people are that are carrying the, yes. the raft with you, yes. right? Exactly. Like you need the ones that are, in, oops, that are encouraging you, that will spell you when you're feeling not, you know, 100%, um, that are just moving in the direction that you want to be moving in. You do. You do. You need your little board of directors. You know, you need credible sources. Okay. What is healing? <sighs> healing to me is transformation toward wholeness. Beautiful. Transformation towards wholeness. Mm -hmm. Because let's be realistic. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes healing just doesn't come in the flesh on this side. No, it right? doesn't. No, it and doesn't. so when we pin all of our hopes and everything that we are on that, we're going to be disappointed. That's right. Because we're all going to die, right? right? Yes. But there is a healing that can take place daily. We can benefit from that. Absolutely. You'll be very, very incremental. And I've seen people, and I shared a story recently uh, with my Spiritual Journeys for Women class about a woman that I knew um, was probably 35 years ago who was one of the most bitter, resentful people that I had ever met and she developed breast cancer. And in that six months, she came to Christ and became one of the most loving individuals I've ever seen in my life. She, we can change that much? She was terminal and did oh. pass on, but it was her inner spiritual transformation. So she actually experienced healing. She actually experienced Mm -hmm. complete spiritual healing and many people were drawn to her and came to Christ because of her and life. came to her funeral because of her life last person in the world I told the story of Marlene Wow yeah okay so I offer that as one example of what we're talking of, about. of the healing yeah yeah and ultimately is healing um, surrender and complete trust I think that God. often God heals us despite ourselves. <laughs> I don't know that we can make it all the way and all complete, right. but I think that it is a, 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 an alignment, our will with God's will, mm -hmm. and then He takes what we have and makes it as complete as it can be on this side of things. I know it's this idea too of, um, and you know, you do pastoral ministry and I do pastoral ministry. So we do see people in their most fragile state and um, where either their mind has betrayed them or their body or important relationships. And um, I always talk about, but what we're really striving for is a healing the inside out. Yes. Right? Yes. Like it's getting this place of, um, I mean, for me, like ultimate healing is living in the peace beyond understanding that only God can give. Yes. Like to be in that state of just, like I think of your waterfall and the cottage in the woods, this just perfect peace. That would be ultimate healing for me. I love that. You know, I would just... Because nothing else matters. Right. I mean, just perfect peace. Every now and then, I get little glimmers of that peace that is beyond our understanding. Yes. And, you know, I kind of just try to string those together. Oh, I did feel it. <laughs> I felt it before where I'm like, okay, God's presence is with me. and God is in control of this, and I'm going to be all right. So I'll feel those little yes. glimmers, but they're glimmers. And so the ultimate healing for me would be like, okay, God, like, yes. I am like totally peaceful about all of this. Yes. Right? That's exactly it. And I remember when I was really young, really, really young like you, I would have the glimmers and I would think, I would love to have them closer so I could string them together like a pearl necklace. Right. And I'll have to say, when I keep doing the wonderful things that you are doing, 
try and get closer and closer and closer together. Okay. I'm going to count on you. You can count <laughs> okay. on what I just said. Close okay. So you, um, you are the happiest you've ever been. Absolutely, without a doubt. So, so I'm not going to tell you to say your age, but you're older than me. Oh, yes. I'm and, 62. Okay, you're 62, and, and you are living your best life right now. Absolutely. And you have done some extraordinary things in your life. I mean, you are well, so well accomplished, and you have written books, and very kind. you are like so well known. And so, but you right now are living your best life. Absolutely, without a doubt. Okay, so that is hope for people. Yes. Because a lot of times you think, okay, well, I'm not having children anymore, or I've already, I'm already married, or I'm over the hill, or, you know, all these things, and you're like, I've already done all the good stuff. But you're saying, no, 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 no. Like, the best things are just waiting to happen. The best things are just waiting. I mean, I, I you know, to, to have a new marriage in my late 50s, to have this fantastic marriage, my husband Roy is so wonderful, and to have, be, have that, and we are getting ready to have our eighth grandchild mm -hmm. uh, since we have been married. Who would have ever thought that? And uh, just, um, you know, it, it's just, I think the, the double portion, there's a verse in Joel, Joel 2, uh, where God says, I will restore to you the years of the locust and the canker worm. Oh, gosh. For years on my knees when I thought, God, maybe this is all there is. This is all there is, and maybe things will be wasted when mm -hmm. there was so much misery mm -hmm. and so much trauma. And I just kept doing these things, and I couldn't see any of this ahead. But, it is but I held on to the hope of having hope. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that this was ahead. I can give people hope. I love that because for me, that's actually, that's me living the way God asked me to live. Like live, live in expectation of what I'm going to do in your life next. Like we've done the past. Oh, we've done and it. And wow, some of those things were really extraordinary. I mean, you've had six children and you met the love of your life, your soulmate and all these things. But hey, like we're like still in business here. Like yeah. we've got things to do. Yeah. I've got things we're to rocking. show you and experience. And there's still lots of joy to be had. A lot. Oh, and that's great. Um, okay, so you've stepped through the gates. You passed St. Peter and you're finally standing face-to-face -face with God, what would you say or what would you like to hear? This is an easy one. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for believing in me. And thank you for not giving up on me. That's beautiful. Oh, honey, you're going to hear those words. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so... What we're talking about you and you're so happy and everything's just going so well for you. What are three little things that give your soul joy? Ah, and I'll give you an example. Just, you know, we both love Radnor Lake. Right. Um, we both love a cup of tea. We both love coffee, chocolate chip cookie. Yes. Um, what are some for you? Ooh, oh, I love raindrops on a metal roof. Okay. Rain, rain, rain anywhere. I love green moss on a rock on a tree. Okay. And I love my dancing. Oh, your ballroom dancing. Yes. That's right. So yes. that, that actually, let's talk about that. Okay. Okay. That'd be to great. live the soulful life is to, to have new experiences. Right. Right? And uh -huh. to put yourself out there and try new things. Mm -hmm. And so four years ago, you started ballroom yeah, dancing. Three, right. three years uh -huh. ago. Uh -huh. And it is ballroom dancing. You did it for your brain, right? Right. That's one of the things. Brain. brain and for passion. Because right. you've always wanted right. to do it. Right. right. And, and it gives your soul joy. Yes. Yes, it, it does. <clears throat> it does. It's just, they call it the autotelic experience, meaning you're just not conscious of anything but joy. When you do it, some people I love ski, that. Will you repeat people... that again? What yeah, is that called? It's, it's called an autotelic experience. It's called being in the flow. In the flow. In the flow. There's a, there's a book. It's a well-known book called 
in the flow, in the flow experience. Okay. That if you can find one activity that just puts you in the flow, you're just in this joyful state. Okay, second, third, or fourth nugget of wisdom right here. Okay. We have to do something that puts us in the flow. Absolutely, you do. One, okay. one or two or three things, but have those kind of hobbies, have those things that you do that just totally refreshes you. Okay. So yes. it's almost like a transcendent experience because very suddenly so. you you are not thinking about a pickup or the dinner you have to make or your last counseling session or whatever it is. Yes. You are just in the flow. Right. Totally the joy flow. you. Yes. Okay. That's good. Thank yeah. you, Ann. Yeah. That's great. Um, you are so well read and um, I'm just wondering if you could gift me with some authors that have kind of informed your own spiritual life? Mm. I absolutely love Pima Chodron. Okay, yes. Okay. Do you want to tell everyone about her? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. She is a Buddhist nun who actually did not enter the order until she was about 55, but right mm -hmm. after her husband left her and she's sitting at the kitchen table the out second act. somewhere. Right? Second the second act. act. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I've been reading her books for years, and she's got a fabulous series of short um, films on YouTube that you can go into. But she wrote a book called The Places That Scare You. Okay. Wonderful work on fear. Okay. Uh, several other books, and I've used those with, with people through the years. And um, Roy and I got a chance, actually, to go to her abbey when we were traveling in Nova Scotia wow. with friends. Gonzo Abbey, right, where she teaches... Um, this last summer, but she is an amazing, amazing teacher on how to really, really uh, make peace with letting go and how to cut through resistance and how to relate to fear. Very okay. practical tools in a spiritual way. And I would have to really include Clarissa Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves. Okay. Because she, I was an anthropologist before mm -hmm. I went into. Um, I mean, what have you not done, Anne? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I just seriously, don't. what have you not so done? Many, so many things I have a list. But she tells um, legends about cultures of people around the world. And one mm -hmm. of the legends that she tells in that book is a legend called Seal Skin, Soul Skin, about the Eskimo women who actually were seals actually seals the animals under the water. and But that they also have a part of their life where they surface and become human beings, but they keep their pelts with them. Interesting. But if their pelts get stolen, they lose their soul and they become brittle and dry out, just like we as women do. Oh. If we are not full of soul, if we don't keep our souls replenished. So actually, I we bought this pelt when Roy and I were in Alaska. And so when I do retreats on seal skin, soul skin, I take this and throw it out into the audience. And I said, when you, your soul is not full, you've mm -hmm. become crippled and dry and burn out. And you know, you start really, really not drawing from your best self. We do, we have to take care of our soul, don't we? You have to take care of your soul. So I wear this a lot to, to remember me to not lose my pelt. Not lose, Do not the, lose gloss, the things that give us our luster, right. give us our spark. So she's a fabulous author. Oh, I can't so wait to read that. Okay. Book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Women Who Run With the Wolves. a constant companion for about 25 years, how to keep ourselves nurtured. Okay. It's a really, really good one. And of course, Richard Rohr mm -hmm. that I've mentioned. Right. Yeah. Those, those are, are good ones. Great. Is there a scripture that is, you know, I've talked about how Psalm 139 is... I think it's just written, written, engraved inside of me. It is, it is the foundation of who I believe God is, and my faith. Um, yes. Psalm one thirty nine. Is there one for you? Yes. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know mm -hmm. the plans I, I have, have for you. you. I say the Lord plans to give you a future and a mm -hmm. hope. Plans for your welfare and not mm -hmm. for your calamity. If you seek me. You will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I love that scripture 29 too from Jeremiah. For I, ha for I know the plans I have for you. Which kind of, yeah, I know the plans I have for you. So just relax, Farrell. Just relax. Right? Just let me do my thing. Mm -hmm. I know. Harder than we think. 
Are you afraid of death? No. And why are you not afraid? It's taken me a long time, but I, I, I think about it some every day, which may sound really crazy, but I've, I've always thought about death. I've spent a lot of time, even in my 20s, researching near-death experience, talking to people about near-death experiences. I've spent a lot of time talking to people. Even my own father had a near-death experience. And um, I, uh, I want to quote Father Keating at this point, who died about a month ago, he Thomas did. Keating. Yes. You may have heard mm -hmm. this already, but I guess I kind of think of it similarly. He said, you know, when he meditates, it's like he observes his breath coming and going and coming and going. And he said about a month before he dies, he said, well... It'll just be like one day there'll be this day where the breath will come and the breath will go, but it just won't come back in that moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let that seep in. And and I, I guess I just think about the death will be that I'll just I'll just I'll just go on to the next thing. Right. But I, you believe that. But I do believe that there'll be this next mission. Mm -hmm. There'll be this next thing that I'm getting ready for. Right. That I'm getting ready for something else. And you believe that's how God created. I do. I can't believe. Because we've already talked about nothing is wasted. He would be so patient with me with all my stumbling around and invest... Mm -hmm this much time and creativity with this sloppy old life right here for it not to go somewhere. Right. Because it is, it's the one precious soul and you just can't imagine that that would not be, right? Why wouldn't you just, you know, and, and if, if it is just, I finally reached a point to where if, I'm just sort of to rest and be just sort of gradually reabsorbed. Mm -hmm. Who else would I want to be with? Right. Just with. Right. Arms open. That must be the theme. We have to whatever. be arms open. <laughs> okay, so I sign off on my blog every week, Live in Hope. And so I would love to hear your definition of hope. Do you know that I wrote one last week? I can't believe you're asking me this. Really? You wrote a definition I of did. hope? I did. I wrote okay. a definition of hope. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, um, I brought it here. I taught an Advent class on hope. Hope is trust in the complete and absolute goodness of God. Perfect. So it's not that something is absolutely going to happen for you or not happen for you. It's just trust in the absolute goodness of God. Yes. Period. Because if I get that, then I don't have to worry about anything else. Mm. That's beautiful. Sort of like if I have my contacts in, I don't have to worry about anything. Because you can see. Yeah. Right. See your way forward. It's beautiful, Ian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun.